to it. Welcome, everybody. Um, we already gave the opportunity. If you don't have a study sheet, don't raise your hand. The time has passed. It's very bad. If you don't have a study sheet, it's going to be really bad. So we've been looking at the will of God. Oh, my gosh. Go ahead. Finish your story. Well, Andy was asking. I'm not going to be I have the giggles up here, so I thought I Do I have to separate you two? You're good? All right. Did somebody seriously fart? <laughs> yeah, they're like nine years off. That's really bad. Oh, gosh. I don't want to hear that. I'm sorry. It was my 20-year high school anniversary. Last week, I know. Andy, you look good for your age. I know. <laughs> Nobody was thinking that. No. Appreciate it. All right. All right. So tonight, um, so the study that we've been in on the will of God for my life, the practical things in the Bible that God says these are my will uh, for your life. So the one that we're going to be looking at tonight is to be thankful. Can someone remind me what we looked at last week? I forget. So I need someone to help me out. Wouldn't that be the, did you say the Pentateuch? Yeah. No. <laughs> he doesn't even know what that is. He's got Luke. It's like, oh. Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Tanakh. Sam. Be sanctified. Be sanctified? What, what does sanctified mean? What do we look at? Set apart. To be different, right? Set apart from what? The world. The world and yourself unto who? God. All right, and we had like a little demonstration. Um, we had that pee water, you know, and you look like the world. You can really, you can look a lot like the world when you get saved, if that's all you do. Until you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, until you take those evidences that we looked at of a sanctified life and practically apply them to your life and practically start making decisions through the Word of God and through prayer, you will look just like the world. And I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people come Judgment Day when they're walking their way down the great right throne judgment and they look up and they see people in heaven that they worked with or that they went to school with or whatever, they interacted with family members, they're going to be like, you knew about Jesus Christ? You knew these things and you never once opened your mouth. Don't let that be you on that day. Be different. Be someone that at least if they were going to hell, they would think back in their mind and be like, that person told me about Jesus Christ. Their actions convict me every single day, but I chose to say no. Don't have blood on your hands by blending in with this world while people are going to hell every single day. So being sanctified, it's what we looked at last week. So tonight we're going to be looking at thankfulness. And boy, that one is a doozy. Um, It's really one that I think has been uh, perverted nowadays. It's a sign of weakness. It's almost, it's like humility. Um, It's like showing feelings. It's all these things that the world tries to make you look like you're weak. They try and make you feel like you don't need to be thankful for anything. You did it. You earned it. You deserve it. It's yours. You don't, you don't owe anybody any gratitude. Sure as heck don't owe God any gratitude. Um, and it's very important to God. It's important enough that it's one of his specific wills for your life. So the key verse tonight, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it's on your sheet. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Everything. In everything we are to give thanks. No adjective there. Everything we're to give thanks. Does not matter the state, doesn't matter the circumstance. And thankful, being thankful, means grateful, impressed with a sense of kindness received, and ready to acknowledge it. And that's key. An expression of, of gratitude. 
What do you notice about that definition of thankful? What is it accompanied with? Is it just like a feeling of thankfulness? No, look at that last part, Emily. It's like expressing that. Yeah. It's an action. It's a life change. If you are very thankful and appreciative of somebody, but it doesn't drive you to action, are you really thankful? Do you really have a sense of gratitude in your heart? Probably not. When you think about what Jesus Christ did and on that scale, it ought to drive you to an expression of gratitude. He did something that we can never touch with our works on this earth. We have an eternal debt to him. Our expression of gratitude, quite frankly, should never run out, should never be complete, should never finish. So note, do I generally, and this is for you, before we get into this, do I generally have a grateful, thankful spirit about me every day in everything? Flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Something I was thinking about this week and I wanted to include it. There's things as human beings that we just expect or we think, again, we deserve. That word deserve is probably going to come up a lot this morning or this evening. Um, yeah, you guys are going to have to bear with me. I'm on midnights and I'm going in tonight and I'm like, my, my mind is a little tired right now. So, But this evening, we're going to be talking about that. But this is something that I've been, been thinking about and uh, God's really been convicting me about. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Familiar passage about Paul. It says that my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, you think about that first part in verse 16. And my first answer, no man stood with me. At his first trial, when he stood up and he's, he's being accused or he's being uh, persecuted, whatever, at his first charge, no man stood with him. All men forsook me. But he prays that God that it might not be laid to their charge. Who in here can say that? That you guys are completely alone outside of Jesus Christ. God has been very good to you guys. Very, very good. He's been very good to me. He's been very good to everybody within this church. We have a great body that we can lock arms with, that we can call brothers and sisters. I can't understand that mindset of Paul looking around, knowing that on this earth in that moment, he's quite frankly alone. And man, we let the littlest things cause us to be uh, throwing a pity party, to be upset, to be depressed. I like how Scott hit on stress and anxiety when he was preaching and really how it's ultimately a revealing of sin within our lives. It's, a, it's an ungrateful heart. Paul was able to say that because of verse 18. He knew what was coming. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. And also in verse 17, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known. Again, Paul's perspective was not on this world it was on eternity but it still hurt him he still battled with these things just like we do yes he did things that a lot of us can only dream of doing but we have the power within us to do those things it wasn't in and of himself it was what he was focused on he had an appreciation for what god did that very few people ever taste because when you do your expression of gratitude 
will motivate you that no matter what gets taken from you in this world, no matter what you feel like you deserve that you don't get, it will not alter your mission. It will not alter your actions. Because it didn't alter Paul's. You think about the things that Paul accomplished in the New Testament. You know, and it's easy for us to take a step back and look at Paul and think, man, what a celebrity. I mean, we read about Paul and we're like, sometimes, I don't know if you guys think like this, but sometimes I'll read that and I'll be like, man, I wish I was Paul. I wish I was able to be Paul in that time. I wish I was able to have the life he did. What You know, and you read the persecution, then it sobers you up a little bit and you're like, yeah, I wouldn't want to go through that. But I really think Paul, I think he was alone a lot. I don't think he had many friends, not many places to call home, didn't have much money, but he was a man completely sold out for Jesus Christ. And it's easy for us to see the end of the story, just like with Job. We can see Paul and everything that he did and lose sight of what he had to go through, of what he went through. And a big reason why he was so successful, a big reason why God used him in such a mighty way was his heart of gratitude, was his thankful heart. And that's why I really believe that these New Testament wills, he used Paul to pen these because Paul exemplified all of them. You can't have a life like Paul. You can't have a successful life for Jesus Christ without these wills, especially if you have an unthankful heart because when you're unthankful, you take your eyes off of God and you start looking at yourself in your own circumstances. All right, let's pray one more time. Father, I do thank you for this word, for the encouragement it brings. And God, I'm sorry for the times that I look around and focus on the everyday circumstances, Lord, that I'm in. And I know everybody in this room can understand that, Father. Um, I pray that you would put in us a new, new heart tonight, a heart of gratitude, understanding what you saved us from, understanding what you went through, Lord. I pray that we would uh, just, that you would reveal that to us in a whole new light tonight. God, if there's some people in here that have walked away from that truth, they're saved, Lord, but They've lost their appreciation for it. They forgot their first love, that you would make it fresh tonight. Father, convict our hearts. Show us what it truly means to be thankful. Give us an eternal perspective so that we can have an impactful life on this earth. Father, we thank you. and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the title of this evening's message is Being Thankful in an Unthankful World. And man, is it an unthankful world. I mean, you look around, it's, you hold the door for somebody out in public very, you know, very seldomly unless it's somebody with, you know, different conservative mindsets or something. It, people, are, people are on a mission in this life. They don't take time to look for other people. They don't take time to appreciate, you know, how they got where they are. It's a go, go, go mentality. What's mine is mine. I'm going out and earning for myself. We live in a very unthankful world. So point number one, why is this so important to God? Well, your first bullet point we live in end times where many are unthankful. Flip over to Romans chapter 1. You can see how critical this unthankful heart is. And really where it starts. <clears throat> Alright, let's start in verse 20. Romans chapter 1, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And then I talked about this at Bible Club at Northwest last week, talking about our conscience and how we have this 
uh, decision tree in our mind. We're faced with something. We can accuse the thought. We can excuse the thought. And we can give God the glory in this world or we can decide to not give him the glory. And this is talking about people. They're walking out in this world and they see this magnificent creation. They see themselves as these, these human beings. They see just how everything interacts in this world. They see the sun, the moon, and it says they don't glorify God as a creator. And they become unthankful in their hearts. And their focus starts to come off of God because the Bible is very clear. This law that's written on their hearts. An atheist is, is not born an atheist. He makes a decision to say, you know what, God, I'm not going to glorify you for what's around me. I'm going to glorify myself. I'm going to discover what, what, what this world is all about. I'm going to claim it as mine. It's almost like going into a territory and owning it and saying, I came up with this. When God's like, I created that for 6,000 years ago. We only discover things that God allows us to see, that God allows us to discover. We didn't discover or create anything that God didn't allow us to do. But I like the context here, though. It's really about that moment of, okay, do I believe God created all of this? Am I going to give him the final authority in my life or not? It's where this thankful heart, this unthankfulness really begins. And that's where, really, even when you're saved, it begins each and every morning of every day. You wake up. And you decide, okay, am I going to give God glory in my life today? Am I going to be thankful for what he's done for me? Am I going to appreciate what Christ did up on the cross to the extent where I'm going to show him an expression of gratitude like never before? When you have a thankful heart and you give God glory for what he's done in this world and what he's done in your life personally, it will change the way you live. You will be different. You will not look like these people that go out into this world and become all puffed up with knowledge, worldly knowledge, worldly wisdom, and don't give God any glory. And you can do that without even realizing it, even being a believer of Jesus Christ. We're not going to turn there, but in 2 Timothy 3, it says, And in the last days perilous times shall come, da-da-da-da-da, and it says, unthankful. People are unthankful right now, and it's no... Um, coincidence very unthankful you will stick out a lot just by using the two words thank you and it goes socially but I want to think a lot too of spiritually with our heavenly father then our next bullet point we're going to spend quite a bit of time here every Christian needs to understand what Job understood flip over to Job 121 this is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible Again, it's easy to read Job when we know the end of the story, but try and empathize his situation right here. Try and put yourself in his shoes. He doesn't know what's coming. Can someone give me a recap of what just happened in Job chapter 1 before we get to verse 21? Yeah, everything from Job is being taken away. Taken away livestock, cattle. Uh, family members, servanthood, all these people, his, his, his house, everything around him is falling apart. Be very easy to fold and start taking your eyes off of God and on yourself and saying, okay, I need to fix this. We just need to, we need to pause what we're doing right now. God, I know you got things going on, but I need, I need to handle me. I need to focus on me right now. Very common phrases that Job could have thrown out there, but he didn't. Look in verse 21. Uh, start in verse 20. Then Job arose, arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the, God, on the, upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job said not, nor charged God foolishly. Again, there's another mindset that I just can't wrap my mind around. Put yourself in his position right now. You go home today and everything's stripped from you. Everything's taken away. Your parents are like, screw it, I'm out of here. No money, no income, no house, no welfare, gone. Everything's gone. Would you have a heart like that? To really realize the reality of your state, because what he's saying here is absolutely true. So we got two, two of our first blanks. What's well, blanks on here? Sorry, not on your sheets. Yeah, I hear everything rough when I'm like, no. Did you draw the baby too? Yeah, isn't that pretty good? I didn't draw that. No, Brent, Brendan drew that. That's pretty good. No, no, I drew that one. <laughs> yeah, the death eyes. I'm like, yeah. So we're going to build off of this a little bit, but you're born, you're born with nothing. I don't know if you guys knew it, you guys come out of your mother butt naked. You got nothing. Then you start going through this life. We're going to fill this in a little bit. Now, when you die, yeah, you die with, you know, a suit on or, well, you don't die with the suit. I guess you could. You're buried with a suit on, but it's staying here in this world. You ain't, you ain't taking anything out of this world. Naked came you into this world. Naked has, is how you're going to return out of this world. Man, is that... I'll tell you, when I think like that every day, it is so freeing. So freeing when I can think like that. Because it allows me to take a step back and not stress out about money, about status, about career, about all these things that we're going to talk about. It, it doesn't matter. Those are means to an end to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish in this world. Flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Then can I get someone to flip to Psalm 24, Carson? Psalm 24, 1, Carson. First Timothy 6. Can I have someone read verse 7? Caleb, nice. Always oh, you scratching your eye. Yeah. Well, your hand was up, so you got it, bud. Um, what, what am I reading? First Timothy 6, 7. Six, what? What am I reading? <laughs> Sorry. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Very basic truth there. Job understood that long before this was written. He came into this world with nothing. He is taking nothing out of it. Carson, go ahead and read Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. All right, so the earth is the Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and everything that is in the fullness there, and everything in this earth belongs to who? God. So as you get things in this world, who is giving them to you? God. Can you guys think of a verse that goes along with that? James 1.17 is not on your sheet. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. So we're going to build on that. So, so here's your life, right, however many years, and during your life you came in with nothing, then you start getting things. What are some things that you get as gifts from Jesus Christ, gifts from God? And I want you to think very basic. Health. Health. Family. Family. You, you guys are two for two health. so far on what I got on my list. You forgot the Ellen. 
Heath. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like my wife. She loves she loves Heath Caramel Brownie Blizzards. Nope. What else? Friends. Friends? Okay. I'll put that with. Oh, All right. Food. Food. I'm gonna. So with food, I'm gonna put money. Per, like supplication. Provision. Yeah, provision. Ooh, I like that. But I do want to put money because I want to focus on that too. What else? What else do I got? Here's one. Abilities. Uh, bum. <laughs> <laughs> Talents. I mean, if you guys ever thought of that, your talents, your abilities, you didn't just create them. You didn't wake up and be like, yeah, I developed this ability to be 6'7 and dunk on a basketball hoop. No, God kind of gave you some of that. Kind of a little bit. About, I would say I'd go with talent, but yeah, like you're doing. Career? Oh, that was cursed. <laughs> Oh, sweet. All right, we have enough arrows. All these things that you get in your life that are given to you from God, how often do we give credit to him for those things? Yeah, not near enough. You know, I think of kids, man, that's, that's a tough one. Because, man, I can be very possessive with my kids. But I have to constantly remember that they're in heritage of the Lord. They're given to me from God. They belong to God. They're his inheritance. We've been entrusted with them to raise them up. It's like uh, David, when he lost his son from uh, Bathsheba and the sin, he said, God took him away. I'll go to him again, but God took him away and he moved on. Again, another circumstance. I, I can't imagine being in that situation. What a perspective to have, though, and look at those things, especially family. You know, you think of spouses. I didn't go out and just find Brandy and own that and put my flag on that territory and claim it. I mean, I did to an extent because I'm a man. (laughs) But God gave her to me. God brought her to me. God gave me my kids. God brought me to the position. I've given you guys the testimony of this will of God and how these decisions have shaped where I'm at. I can't claim my career is my own. And I'll tell you right now, people that can, that's who your Romans 121 are. They're the ones going out, not giving God any glory in their life, and God has given them away. And they'll, they'll feel good about it in moments, but they will know deep down they don't, they don't deserve a bit of it. They didn't come up with that. They didn't develop it. And that's why rich people, one of the reasons why they're one of the most miserable people in this world, because they know. They know they didn't go out and create that. And talents, talents can be a big one. You can take ownership of who you are. You didn't create you. God gave you that talent to bring him glory, not yourself. And money, I want to spend a little bit of time on money. Money's a big one. You know, especially when you think of, um, you know, debt. You know, I hate debt. I despise it. And so does the Bible. You know, we have a mortgage on our house, and it's like it's something that eats at me like a canker. Every day I think about it, and I'm like, I just want to get rid of it. I want to get rid of it. Because in that moment, who am I serving with my house? The bank. Every day I write a check, and it's basically like them, me telling them, hey, thanks for letting me have my house. Thanks for letting me live here. And I get it, you know, the, the world we live in, but, man, I struggle with a mortgage. I struggle with debt. The Bible says, oh, no man, anything. 
Because you're taking that responsibility that God has to be the lordship over your life and you're giving it to someone on this earth. You're giving them control over you in that, in that position, in those finances. Some verses you can write down, Romans 13, 8, and Proverbs 22, 7 speak right along with that. It says that the borrower becomes servant to the lender. Proverbs 22, 7. And then Romans 13, 8 is where it talks about, oh, no man, anything. Why? Because it takes away the heart of gratitude towards the one who actually blessed you with that. Think about it. When you take out debt, when you owe somebody, who are you thanking in that position? God, God didn't have the ability to supernaturally provide for you in that instance. Man provided for you. And now you're owing him. Now you are his servant. And again, I'm not turning this into a financial class, but it's just the idea that God hates debt and there's a reason why. He wants the glory. He's the, he wants to be able to provide for you. And we can struggle with that because we want it now. We want it now. We deserve it now. And I think of Saul when Samuel was like, wait, just wait. And Saul didn't wait. And that was his last, last strike. I think it was probably hours before Samuel showed up. He's like, screw it, we're doing this. We got to go. And Samuel was like, you couldn't just wait on me? I told you to wait. How many times did we do that with God? Money's a big one. Just, just wait. Trust that God's going to provide and obey the Bible. Be a servant to our heavenly master. Don't let anybody in this world become a master over you, especially at the hands of money. Because it takes away that heart of gratitude from God and it shifts it to people on this earth. All right, point number two. Ways we can show our thankfulness to God. I'm going to need some readers. And we'll hit them as we go down through this. Sam, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Emily, Psalm 10.4. Jared, Ephesians 4.29. Alana, Ephesians 5.19. Lydia, Colossians 3.17. All right, Elliot, Psalm 116.17. All right, Jaden, 2 Corinthians 7.4. Jacob, 1 Peter 2.19. And your hand was not up. Don't... You're just, you're just a wee little girl. I couldn't see you. I'm just kidding. Psalm 105.1. I don't know. You should have been paying attention, Jaden. He was paying attention for you. That's some talent right there. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 7.4. Everybody got their verses? All right. Everybody else, we're going to Philippians 4. I probably should have said that. Philippians 4. So ways we can show our thankfulness to God. In a lot of these verses, God uses the word thankful, being thankful, or having thankfulness. Um, thanks be to God. And I don't think it's any coincidence. Philippians 4. <clears throat> so your first point, by our prayer. All right, first, or not first, it's the only. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing or be full of care. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You ever thought about that? Your prayer life, it really centers around thankfulness. Because if not, your prayer life can become very selfish very quickly. 
Pray to God with a thankful heart. Let every request be made known unto him. Don't worry. And that's how I think Paul was able to have so much success in his life. He was a thankful prayer warrior with a deep thankful heart. Hold your place here in Philippians. We're going to come back here, but go to Colossians 4. Again, very interesting how the pairings of these have thanksgiving or thankfulness. Verse 2, chapter 4 of Colossians. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So one of the ways we can show our thankfulness to God is by our prayer. How's your prayer life? You might be thinking, yeah, I pray to God a lot. What, what's the content of it? What's the heart of it? Are you one that prays without, prays without ceasing? Meaning that, you know, that diagram I drew up here a while ago, God touching every facet of your life. God being able to make a decision in every facet of your life. Again, having that thankful heart, knowing that nothing in your life has been given to you in and of yourself. It's all been given, given to you from God. I'm telling you, this is a freeing way to live. When you look at your life like this, and you can walk around your life with a prayerful heart saying, God, awesome, thanks. Thank you for giving me this. Thank you for blessing me with this because you know what? When I came into this world, I had nothing. I wouldn't have this if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be in this school if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have these clothes if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have these parents if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have this family if it wasn't for you. When you're thankful in your prayer constantly and you're talking to God with a thankful heart all the time, it's a lot easier when he goes and takes it. That's right. I don't know who said it or who. Oh, you probably said it. Pastor Tom's probably said it. You know, living your life like this. Always having everything in your, in your life sitting in the palm of your hand with your hand open so God can come and he can take. But just like James 1.17, he can also give. Just like in Job, he can also give. He can take, he can literally take your hand and dump it all out. And then he can come right back and give. But what we forget is the foundation of this hand, what he's given us is eternal life in heaven. Something that we do not deserve and something doesn't matter how much he turns your hand over, you're not going to lose makes it a lot easier for him to give and take. But he'd have nothing to take if he didn't give it to you in the first place. Let that sink in. If he's taken something from you, he has every right to, because you would not have it if he didn't already give it to you. You know, we'll run into that with our kids. We'll give them something or, you know, allow them to play with something or allow them to do something. And then we'll take it away from them and they'll get all upset. And I'll be like, wait, whoa, 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 hold on. What did you do to earn this? Is this yours? No, we have blessed you with this. Now it's in trying to train that in their mind that, look, you have been blessed beyond measure. Everything you have was first given to you of God. He has every right to take it away from you. But a prayerful heart, a prayerful, thankful heart. All right, next point. By our praise of God. Flip over to Psalm 22. Don't worry, you guys who have verses. We will get to you. I love this phrase here. Verse 23. Ye that fear the Lord. Psalm 22, verse 23. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. I love that phrase. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Do you fear the Lord in here? You know, Rick just did a message on this a couple weeks ago, you know, understanding the fear of the Lord, and it caused me to go off and 
start looking into it a little more. You know when the phrase fear of first shows up in the Bible? It's when it's a command given to Noah. When he docks the ark, docks it, you know. Never mind. That's pretty cool. He gets off the ark and God says, every cattle, every creeping thing, every fowl of the air, everything that is on this earth, the fear of you is upon them. The dread of you is upon them. You know what that meant? He had control over them. He had dominion over them. doesn't mean he was some brutal taskmaster out there whipping them into shape. He was a loving shepherd over them. He took care of them. He was over everything on this earth. Is the fear of the Lord over you? Are you... Do you put him in his rightful spot over you, recognizing this being true? Because you will have a thankful praise to share unto him, to praise unto him, when the fear of the Lord is over you. When you recognize him as your shepherd, as your uh, overseer, as your keeper, as your father. Think about that for a little bit. Flip over to Psalm 96. Psalm 96 verse 4 says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And again, there's that phrase again, feared above all gods. He deserves that. He deserves to be feared above all gods. Why? Because he is that good shepherd. He's the one that, again, has given you everything. He's the one that should drive you to your knees and say, God, I'm sorry when I squander what you've blessed me with. You see how when you have this perspective of, recognizing the blessings that God has given you are nothing of yourself, and you start having this thankful heart, it'll change your actions drastically in this world. It'll change you from praising those around you to praising God for everything. It'll change you from not giving God the glory in this world to giving him the glory for everything in your life. So I, when I was a kid, I always thought it was weird that we pray before we eat. I'm like, this is dumb. I'm like, my mom, I saw my mom make the food. God didn't make the food. I saw my mom do it. Here it is. I'm like, why am I thanking God for this food? It's because I didn't have this picture. I didn't have this understanding of how God literally through everything, even through my parents, through the food, through the money, through everything, it was all given to us from God. We can have these very short, distant minds, and we just see what's right in front of us, and we lose the bigger picture. Any moment is, and I'm like, you know, God worked through my heart like that. I didn't keep that mentality. But it's very easy for us to have uh, a very uh, short-sightedness, nearsighted. Is that what it is? What is it when you can't see, you know, very close up? You need okay, farsightedness. We just see what's right in front of us, and that's it. And we lose, huh? Okay, whatever. You guys know what I'm trying to say. You just see what's right in front of us, and we don't connect the dots. We don't look at the bigger picture. We, we don't look at God's hands in the circumstances. We don't got, look at God's hands providing for us. And we can become, again, very carnal. And I was a kid, and God was working through my heart on that. But, man, we can do that again with our careers and when we lose sight of these things. We lose sight of what God's given us. But by our praise of God, do you praise God just flat out for who he is? Do you praise him? Do you fear him more than any other God, lowercase g, anything else in this world that wants to have power over you, that wants to have dominion over you? Does he get your praise daily? He deserves it. 
And you'll only be able to give him praise if you have a thankful heart. Again, that's why these are good measurements. These are good barometers of how thankful you truly are. By your prayer, by your praise. The next point, by our thoughts. You guys held your place in Philippians chapter 4. I like how this one just rolls right out of, um, you know, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request. Now jump down to verse 8, Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned... And received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And when you can train your mind to think on these things, that peace of God will be with you. And it will allow you to have that eternal perspective. But the context of this is coming right off of verses 6 and 7, being careful for nothing. Letting all your requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving. Thanking him for who he is. And then from that, you're able to train your mind to think on these things. To think on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtue. And if there be any praise, think on these things. Do those things dominate your mind? What dominates your thought life? You know, we talked about that last week again at Bible Club about your conscience. Your thoughts become your actions every time. Do you ever look at your life and you're frustrated and you're like, why the heck can I not do this why won't i just witness to this person why won't i get up and read my bible in the morning why won't i fill in the blank why won't i stop doing this what's your thought life look like are you thinking on these things because i got news for you if you hate your sin enough and you're thankful to god thankful to god enough you will hate your sin because then you realize jesus christ up on the cross and what he went through to purchase your eternity and it will cause you to say, you know what, God, I'm done messing around. This is sin in my life. I need to deal with this. And I'm going to put these things in my mind. And how do you put these things in your mind? How do you think on these things? Good starts memorizing scripture. It's one of the best ways to be sanctified in this world. One of the catalysts that we talked about last week was the word of God. It will make you different. It will make you weird, a very good weird. You will stand out like a sore thumb. I had somebody at uh, work... Uh, was telling me, yeah, you know that Lee Chudis, because I work with Lee, and you know he's very quiet about his faith. Nobody knows that he's a Christian. No, he's very outspoken. We did this seminar training thing called Seven Habits, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Pretty good stuff, all plagiarized from the Bible. Um, And they said, list out your top three influential people. This first one was God. And somebody came into my office and they were talking about seven habits. And they're like, yeah. And then Lee was sharing, you know, his top three influential people. And his first one was God. And he's like, okay, I, like, I like God and everything, but seriously, like influential people. I'm like, what's wrong with that answer? He's like, well, it's just weird. Like, why would you put God? It's going to be very weird when you take a step out and you proclaim God as true in your life to where you actually talk to him and he talks to you. It's not natural in this world. But I'll tell you what, he didn't have a defense, and I'm talking to him, and I said, well, he impacted my life the same way. Yeah, but, you know, even when you were a kid, and I was like, yeah, some people are, are exposed to him very young, but, and I'm like, you know what, even the ones that are, 
According to the Bible, God has been working and pursuing in their life anyway. It doesn't matter if you know God. He still has an influence. And even still, he created everything. He should be the number one. I don't care if you don't believe in God at all. He is the number one influencer in this entire planet, in this entire universe. But it all take, a lot of it, it just takes having a conversation with people. But this world, it's like when Mike Pence made the comment, whatever you think about Mike Pence after everything, but he made the comment that he talks to Jesus Christ, and he got lambasted for that when Trump became president. They're like, wait, he literally says that he hears Jesus Christ talk to him. It's going to make you feel very different when you actually tell people that, yeah, God, God speaks to you through his word, through his spirit. But be different. Don't be someone that when they're walking down to hell, they see you up there and they're like, man, I had no idea they knew who Jesus Christ was. Be different. <clears throat> but a lot of that, it starts in our thoughts. A thankful heart, your thoughts will be filled with the things of this book. Your thoughts will be filled with, okay, what can I do next for Jesus Christ? What can I do next to bring him glory? If you're not doing anything, you're probably not thinking of what to do for God. I can tell you right now, your thought life is probably pretty bland. Your next point, by what we say, flip over to Ephesians. Actually, no, we're not. We're going to Hebrews chapter 13. Who had 2 Corinthians 10.5? Sam, go ahead and read that. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yep, casting down imaginations. So a lot of times when we need to focus, sorry, jumping around a little bit, but by our thoughts. A lot of times when we need to fill our thoughts with those things that God wants us to think on, our minds are already flooded with the garbage in this world. Cast them down. Make room for Jesus Christ. Make room. Again, when you think about what he's done for you and you have that expression of gratitude to say, you know what, Christ, you deserve every part of me. Cast down those imaginations. In Psalm 10.4, who had that one? Emily. For thou hast, for thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou saddest in the throne, judging right. Because... Wait, hold on. Psalm 10.4. I think you did. No, you're, yeah, you're not there. No, nice try, though. I would expect that out of Jared, but not you. Okay, the wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Yeah, the wicked through pride. The wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek after God. Why? Because God's not in his thoughts. Is God in your thoughts? Does God dominate your thoughts? That's something that God has been working in my life over the last couple of years of dominating my thoughts. Does he dominate yours? If you have a thankful heart, he will very easily. All right, and then by what we say, flip over to Hebrews chapter 13. If you guys are not already there. Who had Ephesians 4.29? <clears throat> All right, Jared. Yep, and then Hebrews thirteen fifteen. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You see, these things won't come out of your mouth if you're not giving thanks to his name, if you don't have a thankful heart. It all goes back to having that thankful heart. How can you show your thankfulness to God? By what you say, by what you stand up for in your schools. It's a clear evidence of who's getting the glory in your life. 
Is it yourself or is it Jesus Christ? You know, just think back to today, for those of you guys who were in school, what did your conversation look like? When something good happened to you, where did the credit go? Did it go to yourself? Did it go to your teacher? Did it go to your parents? Did it go to your coach? And not that they don't deserve credit per se, but who's, who's getting the heart of that credit? Do people in your school know that when anything good happens to you, you're giving credit where credit is due? And you don't just think it by in your thoughts. You've graduated from that phase, and now you're actually saying it. And you're not afraid to say it. Not afraid to share it. Next, by how we sing. Who has Ephesians 5.19? Lana. I love that. How do you guys sing in here? You know, Pastor Jay will make the comment. No, I, I sing up front. What? That's not what I was oh, I'm saying. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Choir people. Oh, there you go. There's a plug. <laughs> I sing up with my dad. No, I'm just kidding. And you were actually doing something. Yeah, you were just trying to bring people in. Huh? Oh, I'm glad I didn't hear it because I don't have to react off it. No, seriously though, how do you guys sing? I got extremely convicted of that in high school. When I was disciple with Jay, and he was sharing, he's like, yeah. Um, and he wasn't leading music at this time, but he was talking about singing, and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't sing at all. I'm like, I think I sound horrible when I sing. I don't know how to hit a note. Sometimes I don't know the words. Um, whatever it is, and I'm like, I need to start singing. I'm like, the Bible's very clear about making a noise, standing up in one of those public opportunities to praise and give God the glory and the thanks that he deserves that that you've owed him what's your singing look like it's a great way that you can show gratitude to him and it's not just on Sunday mornings my daughter convicts me of this all the time she'll be prancing down the halls or up and down the steps singing songs and I'm like man she knows the words of those songs I don't even know the full words of those songs she loves she always got she has a song in her heart all the time do you have a song in your heart do you, and how do you sing? How is your countenance? Because, man, when these things are real and alive inside of you, and I know when, when, when these things are fresh, and I'm just like, God, I am so unworthy for these things. Thank you for whatever it is in my life. And I come to sing on Sunday morning. I mean, you can't shut me up. But then when this world gets to me, and I start letting the stress of this life bury me down, and I start letting it take throne, and I start fearing the stress in this world, I start fearing the world's circumstances more than I fear God, then I'll sing and I'll be like, yeah. And I'm just, you know, thinking about how I sound, just reading the words. One's with the heart, one's with the mouth. You can show God how thankful you are for him by how you sing. We don't think about that a lot. And then next, by what we do. Who has Colossians 3.17? Lydia. Yep, again. Giving thanks to God. Everything you do, in word or deed, do unto the Lord. Everything. Everything you do. And it seems kind of drastic, but no, everything you do. Secular, doesn't matter. God has you in that position. The, the disciples, they weren't uh, monks, the apostles. They didn't just go somewhere and 100% of their time was devoted to prayer and that was it. And they didn't do anything. No, they were out living in this world, but they were not of this world. They were in it proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. You can be active in what you're doing. You can be active in your, 
your sports. You can be active in your school. We encourage you be active. Get out there and go and talk to people. But do everything you do out there under the Lord. You can be successful at football. You can be a smart whiz kid. You can do all these things. You can go have a successful job, but do it under the Lord. Because if you don't, you are not going to have his hand on that. And one of two things are going to happen. You're going to crash and burn. Or the far worse thing is going to happen. You're going to have a highly successful life and you're going to completely lose sight of who God is. I choose crash and burn any day of the week. You know what I choose? I choose none of them. Give God glory in everything that you do. Do everything unto God with thanksgiving because, again, he deserves it. You would not be there without him. Next, by what we sacrifice. Who has Psalm 116, 17? Elliot. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. What have you sacrificed for God lately? Because you're, not, you're, you're like, you know what, God? I'm thankful for what you've done. I have not done enough for you today. I've not done enough for you in this week. What have you sacrificed for God? Do you sacrifice for God? Do you know how to sacrifice for God? What have you given over to God because you're like, you know what, God, you are worth it. We hit on this all the time, but camp commitments. Have you already sacrificed those for the world? A lot of your camp commitments involved you sacrificing something for God. How are you doing on that? You ought to be excited to do those things. You're going to stand before God someday, and he's going to look back on that and say, man, you know what? I'll use Elliot just because he read that verse. You know what, Elliot? I had high hopes for you on that. When you said that you were going to stand up and whatever, fill in the blank, and then you blew it. I'm not saying you blew it. But you didn't, you didn't follow through what happened. Folks, that day is coming. Be excited. So when you stand before him, he's like, you know what? When you made that commitment, I knew something was different in you. I knew you had a thankful heart. I knew that you understood that your life is not about yourself. It's about me, and it's about what I, what I want for you. And, man, what I want for you is so much better than what you could have ever dreamed. And what you did affected that person. You see that person over there in that corner? Not in this room. Up in heaven. Yeah, they're here in heaven because of you, because of what you did. You see that person over there? They're here because of you. Then that person witnessed to that person. You see the ripple effect? What are you sacrificing for God? Flip over to Matthew chapter 19. It's not on your sheet. Just something I was, as I was reading over this. This be the last one we turn to. Verse 21. So Jesus is speaking to this man, and he says, What do I need to do that I may have eternal life? Christ is, Jesus is working down. Don't do this, don't do that. Honor thy father and mother. And he's like, Man, I've done all these things. And Christ, Jesus is like in verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell, all, sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. A lot of us, we're not willing to sacrifice because we just don't want to give it up. The idea is good. We want to follow God. This man, he wanted to do what Jesus wanted him to do. He's like, God, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. But all of us have a limit. The challenge is get rid of that limit. 
Whatever God comes and asks you for, you ought to have your palm wide open and say, go ahead and take it. His perspective was skewed. He looked at his life and thought, you know what? I deserve this. I've earned this for myself. God, I can't give that to you. He didn't come out and say that, but boy, his actions, that's exactly what he said. God, I'm not going to give that to you. I, I earned this. I, went out, I worked hard for that. You have no idea how many hours I had to work for that. You can't just come in here and take that away from me. He didn't realize that God gave it to him, and now he is possessing it as his own. Don't be afraid to sacrifice because, again, the word, you think of the circumstance, it's not really a sacrifice Sacrifice means that we had something that was ours that we're like, you know what, God, I'm going to give this over to you. It was never yours to begin with. Everything you have was never, never yours to begin with. God gave it to you. What is it that you're not willing to sacrifice? A thankful heart will drive you to sacrifice not just one thing, not just two, but everything in your life. You'll be willing to give it all up for Jesus Christ. And then by how we suffer, we have 2 Corinthians 7, 4. Is that you, Jaden? You. All right. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glory in you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all my tribulation. Exceeding joyful in all his tribulation. Why? Because he knew why he was being, why he was being persecuted. He knew why things were coming against him. Because he had that thankful heart and that, that perspective. 1 Peter 2, 19. Yep, enduring, so when you endure something wrongfully, when you endure something that you're going through that's hard to go through, what is your focus? Again, are you looking in and of yourself? Are you looking in the situation and counting yourself as a pity party? Are you giving thanks to God? When you suffer, the world is watching. When you go through something very hard, the world is watching, whether you're guilty or not. Where is your glory going? How do you react in those situations? You can show your thankfulness to God, even Paul, when he left out of being beating, he said he counted it worthy. He was so so excited, he sung praise unto God that he was counted worthy to suffer persecution for Jesus Christ. Man, that's hard to do. And then the last point, by witnessing, Psalm 105.1. Make known his faithfulness to the end of the Make known his deeds among the people. Do you make Christ's deeds known among the people? The people around you know what Jesus did. Whether they accept it or not, do they know because you're there? A thankful heart will drive you to do that. Having a thankful heart will make you stand out and take you down a path for God that many never experience. When you truly understand what Jesus did for you and you start making decisions and you start sacrificing everything for God, again, it doesn't mean that he's going to come in and take it out of your life. It means being willing that if he was going to. You will live a life that very few people ever get to experience. You will see a side of God, just, just like on the Mount of Transfiguration, that very few people get to see. Man, let God impact your life like that, but it starts with a thankful heart. So in closing, we are to be, praise, we are to be thanking and praising God continually in all matters and at all times. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 was, or is our junior high um, theme verse. I'm just going to read it just to save time for you guys for flipping there. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
I hope you guys, when you read your Bible, you see how God emphasizes thanksgiving and being thankful over and over and over in all of these contexts. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. It's like it's the glue. If you don't have a thankful heart, you can do certain things for a certain amount of time, but it will crumble. This thanksgiving, this thankful heart is really where it's true. When you really recognize Jesus Christ for what he did. And that's John 3.16. I love how we sang that song this morning. I was humming it today because I was thinking this. For God so loved the world that he gave. And yes, the context of this verse, he gave his son. But God gave everything you have. You don't deserve. God gave. When you can recognize that God gave everything in your life, you will live a life that has a thankful heart that this world doesn't know, this world doesn't experience. And it will cause you to be thankful for your father, and then it will cause you to be thankful for those around you. And people will want what you have. Flat out, you will look different. So where is your perspective with this? What is it in your life that you're holding on to very tightly that you're not willing to thank God for? And by thanking God, I mean offering it up to him as a sacrifice and saying, God, if you want this, take it. Because ultimately, you gave it to me. It's a perspective. Think like this. You came in with nothing. You don't want to be going to death holding on to these things because they're staying here one way or another. You might as well use them for God. Use them for something that's going to make him proud when you stand before him on judgment day. All right, let's pray. Father, I know uh, we went a little long tonight, God, but these things are so important. There's so much more that we can even get into with this heart of thankfulness, Lord. It's really, your book is filled with that, Father. God, how really we will not have any victories in this life without a thankful heart, knowing that any power, any success we have in this world, God, it came from you. You deserve all the credit, all the thanksgiving that we could ever have. So, Lord, transform our minds as we leave here tonight. Show us that any good thing, any perfect thing we have in our life came directly from you. It will make it that much easier for us to give back to you. Father, And whatever there is in, in these students' lives and even in, our, in these leaders' lives, Father, and in my life included, that we're convicted about, that we're like, you know what? God, I, I, I just, I can't. I can't sacrifice that to you, Father. Lord, put a thankful heart inside of us. Show us that it's you who deserves that, Father. Give us the perspective of Job. We came into this world with nothing, naked, Father, and we're going to leave it the same way. But God, you've entrusted us with these things. You've entrusted us with these talents, with these treasures, with our time. Let us use them wisely. Lord, our time is going to come quick. Our life is a vapor. Father, you're coming soon. Don't let us squander the things that you've given us. So give us a thankful heart. We thank you, God, just for who you are, for your love, even when we don't deserve it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.